Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Dalaga. It's good to praise the name of the Lord. Good morning, everyone, and God bless you, Paul. Welcome, Praise Christian Fellowship. I say welcome to the church because the church isn't a place, it's not a building, it's a people. And you are the people of PCF. But I also say welcome to PCF if you're a guest with us today, either in person or streaming with us online. I'm Pastor Courtney Hall. We're glad to have you with us. And we trust and believe that the Lord who is with us today is going to speak to us today. And we desire to hear from him. Amen? Amen. Well, you can be a little bit more robust than that. Amen? Amen? There you go. It feels good, right? Gets the heart pumping and the blood moving and the body wide awake. Not just your body, but this body, his body, the body of Christ. Hey, there's good stuff going on at PCF. Let's take a minute and talk about that. First of all, you probably noticed this uh, eye-catching banner in your, in your bulletin. If you didn't, it's in there. It's sandwiched in there, or it should be. Or you can peek over the shoulder of the person next to you. And this is to let you know that there is a Bible, start, Bible study. I can say it. I'll get it out. Bible study starting up back at Manila Terrace. That's a place that we have led groups in the past, and we have congregants there. We have friends there. And so we're excited that the Lord is calling us and opening up opportunity to us to minister there as well. So this is going to be starting up on Tuesday nights, weekly, every Tuesday night at 6 p.m., beginning February 18th. That's a week from this Tuesday. So um, uh, if you're in the neighborhood and you'd like to be a part of this group, you most certainly can. If you know people who live either in Manila Terrace or nearby and are looking for a Bible study or who are in need of the ministry of the word, this is a great place for them to get involved. There'll be some light refreshments every week. There'll, of course, be time of fellowship and worship and prayer, and there'll be study in the word. Uh, we have some excellent elders and leaders that are part of the teaching team, Brother Ludi, Brother Serge, who uh, both together not only lead our uh, PCF men's ministry, but Brother Serge, of course, uh, a member also of our council, and Pastor Willie Manyalek, also part of the teaching team, and our own uh, staff men of men I haven't been drinking anything but water this morning, I promise you. I don't know what's going on. My mouth is not yet awake. My spirit is. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is stumbling over its tongue today. Okay, let's start this again. Sister Jennifer Abreu on our staff, she's coordinating this. So if you've got questions about it, you can speak to any of those folks. You can call into the church or you can just show up on Tuesday the 18th and every Tuesday thereafter at Manila Terrace. You probably know where that is. It's right by us on Temple. And so be praying for that group as well. You know, there's lots of Bible study groups in our church that meet either here in the church. I was with one last night celebrating Brother Serge's birthday, in fact, and having a wonderful time with the brothers and sisters in that group. There's groups that meet in homes. If you're up in Santa Clarita, we've got a group that meets once a month uh, at the El Monte home um, that uh, we join in the leadership of that. So get involved in a cell group. Get involved in a Bible study. Amen. Because it's such an important part of the development of God's harvest growth in us. And it's really true. All right. Other things that you can be involved with are our weekly gatherings. So, of course, on Wednesday night, we will have our prayer and fasting meeting. Uh, excuse me. I don't know what's going on with my brain. Maybe I just need to reboot. The rainbow wheel of my mind is, if you have an Apple computer, that makes sense to you. It's just spinning. 
So we do have a prayer and fasting meeting coming up at the end of this month. Uh, that'll be on February uh, 26th, the last Wednesday of every month. But every Wednesday we have a prayer meeting, and that'll be happening this Wednesday as well. And, of course, our youth meet. So youth meet upstairs in the lighthouse at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Prayer meeting right here in the sanctuary at 7.30. And this Friday, speaking of youth and young adults, is not only Valentine's Day, but it's our youth and young adults Valentine's Day dinner. So that's going to be a, an awesome gathering. And if you'd like more information about that, you can see uh, Ron and Jopin Younger or Sister Catherine and get more details uh, if you're in the age bracket uh, of you know, 10 to 30, I guess. You're, you're part of that mix, and we'd love to have you present. By the way, happy Valentine's Day in advance to everybody. Um, we also have, at the end of this month, a couples conference coming up. You know, it's a leap year, and this is the month of a leap day, which is Saturday, February 29th. Why not take a leap of faith on leap day? If you're married, you and your spouse are invited to participate. It's only $25 per couple, and that includes lunch. There'll be entertainment. There'll be fellowship. We have guest speakers Ben and Priscilla Jessa Dawson, a wonderful, godly Christian couple who are involved in ministry, not only here in Los Angeles, but all over the world, have a, a, a powerful um, ministry of prayer and a great faith and knowledge of the word and a long time successful, fruitful marriage, a wonderful family. You'll love to hear from them. Hazel and I will be here as well. Of course, our couples ministries leaders, uh, Richard and Magoo, uh, are going to be a big part of that. They are the ones who had the vision for that and are steering us towards an exciting gathering. So uh, put that on your calendar and talk to them if you'd like to get involved. Also, this spring, the Women's Radiant Brunch, and that's going to be in May, uh, Saturday, May 9th. So lots of good things coming up, and we hope that you will participate. I um, am so excited that this year that the Lord has said to us as a year of harvest is already showing such ready fruitfulness and such a desire, such a heart on the part of our people to go in and harvest those things and really bring them into complete fruition. That's a, that's a work of the Holy Spirit, and it's a testimony of God. So we give him praise for that. We turn now to the teaching of the word this morning, and as we do so, I'd like us to pray together. Will you? Uh, bow your heads with me and let's come before the Lord as we come to his word. Father God, we know that you are the Lord of the harvest. We know that in you is fruitfulness and faith. In you is righteousness and truth. In you is light and no darkness, no shadow of turning in you. We each have our history of turning away from you in many different ways at many different times. But today, Lord, because you turned towards us, even when we were turned away from you. We turn our sight to you, our eyes to your word, our hearts to your spirit, and we ask, Lord, that you would open our ears, open our eyes, open our minds, and open our heart to everything that you, by your word, and through your will, and by your spirit, would speak to us today in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Maybe you saw these around the the church this morning, and if you did, you could grab one. They're, they're in the lobbies. If we, if we run out and you want another one, just let me know. I'll, I'll give you mine. I'll print more. But you might recognize this if you were here last week or you were streaming with us online. This was the, um, <laughs> the outline of essentially another sermon that I gave you in the last 10 minutes of last week's sermon. 
It made me think of when uh, some friends of ours took us out for a delicious Korean barbecue and the meat and the food and the veggies just kept coming. And I remember I thought we were done and then whole new platters came in. And that's the way I felt like I was giving you in the last five, 10 minutes of a sermon, I gave you this, which not only could be another sermon, but could be a sermon series and may even be so in the future. But one of the reasons I did that was because our focus last week was on prayer. And it was in the context of our series on the harvest. And I was talking about how the Lord Jesus Christ himself calls us not only to go out into the world with the message of the gospel, but to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send more workers. Prayer is powerful. Turn to the person next to you and say, prayer is powerful. Never forget it, never doubt it. Prayer is powerful. It's authentic, it's active, and it's effective. So this is probably going to be a sermon series for us at some point, maybe next year, I don't know. But it's a nice resource perhaps for you to just remember some of the fundamentals of prayer as we find them in scriptures, and there's some scripture references there. But the other reason that I wanted to put this before us today as we move towards the conclusion of this sermon series on harvest, but certainly not the conclusion of our harvest. We're just getting started in that. But we are coming to part five of this series. And as we conclude today, I want to share with you a testimony of answered prayer. Last week we talked about prayer, and I mentioned to you that it was a time for us to press in to prayer and to prayerfully press the kingdom into the world around us. That is to invite in the kingdom of the Lord into the world around us. And one of the most specific things that we were focused on last week was praying for people to hear the call of the Lord. Do you remember that? Pray for more harvest workers. Well, something interesting happened this week, and I want to share it with you as an answer to prayer. On Thursday night, a friend of mine, another friend in ministry, um, and who also has an interest in, in the, uh, the arts and the film industry, which is our mutual training background. You know, I went to NYU Film School. He went to AFI. We're both in ministry now. And we, we have a heart for that medium and that industry, which is such a significant industry in our city. Whether you like it or not, the truth is there's a lot of people who live and come to L.A. because of that industry, and that industry puts out all kinds of messaging to the world. It's important for us to be praying for it and to be praying for the people in it and to be praying for godly revelation. Amen? Amen. Well, the pinnacle of that industry is the Academy Awards, which is tonight. And as you know, that takes place on Hollywood and Highland at the Kodak Theater there. And uh, it may be something you're interested in. It may be something you have no interest in. But do you remember last year, we prayed that the name of the, of the Lord would be glorified, that the word of the Lord would be glorified. And the very passage that was my sermon text was quoted by one of the winners at the Academy Awards. Now, I'm not saying that was just because of our prayer, but I will say our prayer was for that, and it happened. So I still praise God for it, because that doesn't happen every year. So this year we prayed for the Lord to send harvest workers and on Thursday night as part of the Hollywood Prayer Network, my friend and I joined with probably about 30 or 40 other people who every year prior to the Academy Awards go and pray over that spot. You walk the red carpet, it's all covered in not saran wrap but something heavy duty that looks a little bit like that. It's covered over in plastic. So there's still an inch between me and the footsteps of the stars I guess but 
we're praying to the Lord over the stars and we're praying for his will. We're praying for his way. We're praying for his name to be glorified. We're praying for safety and peace and protection. We're praying for our city and we're praying for the people who from all over the world would turn their eyes to our city. So we went about doing that and it was a powerful time. One of the things that we did was pray for the people that are there as technicians or setting up as crews or lots of security people who, believe it or not, as important as their job is, and it's very important, there's not much for them to do on that Thursday night except stand around. And yet we can come to them and say, we're here praying blessings on this event and we'd like to pray for you. You're important and we want to pray a blessing for you. It's a great opportunity to witness to people. And we had many great interactions. At the end of the evening, we gathered together again because we had broken off into small groups to do this. And before we concluded, one of the leaders said, I want to mention that most all of us are Angelinos. We live here in Los Angeles. But there's two young women in our midst who came all the way from Austin, Texas, just to pray for Los Angeles and the Academy Awards this weekend. They came just for that. And they said, we want to give them an opportunity to share their story. The, uh, one of the young women, her name is Brooke, said to all of us, now I hadn't had any interaction with these young women at all, and they don't know me or our church. She said, we were talking with a friend of ours, um, a, a devout believer, and he was talking about how it's a season of harvest. And in this season of harvest, we are to pray for more laborers in the harvest. And when we were praying about that, my friend Denise and I, this is what the young lady Brooke was saying, we had a sense of the Lord that it was like stalks of grain rising up out of a crop and all leaning towards the West Coast. And we felt that we were being called to come to L.A. and bring a personal prayer blessing over L.A. That is an answer to our prayer. And it's, again, not just our prayer, but our prayer is part of that. And when I see an answer to prayer, I give glory to God. And I wanted to share with them specifically that in the very week that we were focused on that, here the Lord had sent them such a long way for such a short period of time. It wasn't just a confirmation to us. I thought that would be a confirmation to them too, that we might both mutually recognize that the Lord is confirming what he's saying from one place to another. You know, it's not always that you get to see those kinds of confirmations. When they come, it's good to celebrate them to lay hold of them, and to build your faith up from them. So, Lord, thank you for answered prayer. And thank you that it drives us all the more to believe that prayer is powerful and that we will keep on pressing in. Amen? Well, there's something that happens when you press in in prayer and when you go out in faith, and it's called multiplication. That's the harvest. I want you to... Listen to these three words, and I'm going to ask you to repeat them in just a moment. Listen first. Message, ministry, multiplication. Message, mission, multiplication. The ministry is a mission. And it's not just the mission of people who have a professional job in ministry like me. It's not just the mission of people who have gone to a theological school or have some kind of credential. It's the mission of every disciple of Jesus Christ. Everyone who has met Jesus has met a mission because Jesus is a missionary 
And Jesus is on a mission, and he's co-missioning us. He's commissioning us to share in his mission, to be his witnesses. That's the message. The message is God is reaching out to you and to me, even though our sins separated us. His love is greater than our sins. His sacrifice has covered and forgiven our sins. That's good news. Now, in that good news, there is a mission. Share that good news. Share the message and let it be multiplied. So turn to the person next to you and say, message, mission, multiplication. The truth is, when you and I are really receiving the message of God, the word of God, which is like a seed, that seed is going to do its work. The Lord said, my word does not return to me void. It accomplishes what I sent it for. And what he intends is multiplication. Jesus said, if you abide in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit, multiplied fruit. Multiplication is what harvest is about. Multiplication of salvation. Multiplication of the church in its equipping role. Multiplication of faith. Multiplication of the kingdom. That's God's economy, if you will. That he wants to grow us and he wants to send us. It's the grow and go of harvest. Will you say that? The grow and go of harvest. The grow and go of harvest. And that's our focus for today. Now we're going to look in Luke chapter 10. But I want to take you back to where we were last week in Matthew 9 as we kick that off. You'll remember that it was in Matthew 9 that Jesus said, The harvest is ready, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord to send more workers, to multiply the workers for an already multiplying harvest. And then the Lord sent them out in pairs ahead of him saying, go. We've been talking about how, hmm, this isn't looking the way it should, guys. Is there a formatting issue here? (laughs) We don't know. Well, that's curious because I just looked at it before and it didn't look like this. Something's a little funky there. So some of my slides may be falling off the screen for you. Just let it tumble into your heart. I'll, I'll fill in the gaps when you can't see everything there. In talking about harvest, we started by remembering that harvest is about bringing life to people. That's the message. The word of God is life. And that life is good. It's good news. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord in the harvest that he sends. But remember that there's an enemy in the harvest. There's a foe. The devil does not relent in trying to obstruct the things of God. The Lord intends to multiply, but the devil wants to divide. Hallelujah, the Lord is greater. But part of what the Lord is telling us is be on your guard, be on the watch. Because the Lord wants the victory over the enemy to be ours as much as his. So there is a foe of the harvest, but he cannot stand against the glow of the Lord. And he cannot stop the sowing of the harvest, which is what you and I are about. Sharing and spreading who Jesus is. Living our lives in such a way that that is demonstrated. There's a practical witness to God. And there is pure joy from the Lord that comes about in that. There's warnings that come from the Lord about what we face but equipping also. And one of the greatest ways that you and I overcome the works of the enemy is through the powerful prayer that God offers to us. Today, I want to talk about 
pressing in to the growth that God has promised so that we can grow up in maturity, but also pressing on into the things of the kingdom that could be multiplied into the words around us. There's definitely something funky going on with these slides. So if, if you and I are both struggling to see, maybe that's a little bit of the foe of the harvest trying to <laughs> cut into the multiplication. Well, we just rebuke that in Jesus' name. More importantly, the word of the Lord remains and abides. We're going to talk about the seeds that God plants, but we're going to talk about the weeds that rise up. And those are challenges that we have to face. Both of those things are essential in our thinking and in our living in order to fulfill the commission that God has called us to. Well, now my little friend, the clicker, isn't working either. Maybe we should just take a break and I don't know. Turn to the person next to you and say, this message will not be halted. Well, there you go. See, it worked. Thank you, Lord. The consequence of praying for more workers is that Jesus sends out his disciples. So when you are praying for more people to go into the harvest, you're also positioning yourself to be empowered by Christ to be one of those multiplying workers. Yes. Matthew 9 is the admonition to pray for more workers. Matthew 10 is the activation of it. Jesus summons his 12 disciples and gives them authority over unclean spirits. That is over the foe of harvest. That is over the demonic powers of the enemy. He gives them authority over that to cast them out, to get those little foxes out of the vineyard so that the vineyard can prosper can blossom and flourish. He gives his 12 disciples the power of the Holy Spirit to heal every kind of disease and to heal and cast out every kind of sickness. And of course, he has empowered them with the evangelistic message of his ministry. Likewise, in Luke chapter 9, there's a similar circumstance. And you'll remember that last week, if you were with us, I wanted to point out how these sending messages of Jesus come closely bound together with harvest messages. And I don't think that's coincidental. It's not only that Jesus was constantly equipping and growing his disciples and then sending them so that they could go out with that. He was also constantly making them aware that their work was a kind of harvest, that there was a crop of the kingdom, if you will, and that these things were tied together. So in Luke chapter 9, there's a man who says, I'm going to follow you. I'll go with you. But first, I need to take care of things at home. And Jesus says, that's not how you plow a field. When you're behind the plow, you're looking forward, not back. Can you imagine plowing a field and looking back? You're not going to plow a straight line. You're not going to grow a good crop. Jesus said, if you're going to put your hands to the plow, you've got to be looking at the end of the line. And following that in order to plow a straight furrow, in order to make a place for sowing. If you're not ready to sow, you're not ready to go. And if you're not ready to go, you're not ready to grow. What's interesting is the growing feeds into the going and the going feeds into the growing. I'm going to say that again because it's a little bit tough and you didn't get it. The going feeds into the growing and the growing feeds into the going. There's a reciprocity, a, a symbiosis of these two things. It's amazing that in the Christian faith, you can be a baby Christian, if you will, somebody who has just come to Christ, 
and be immediately empowered to share that message. There's lots of maturing and growing that you have left to do, but you know what? There's lots of maturing and growing that all of us have to do, right? Yes. We're always continually maturing. It is true that somebody right out of the gate of meeting Christ may not be ready for all the kinds of responsibility that the Lord is ultimately going to bring them into. But even a little child who has come to the Lord can be a powerful witness for God. And sometimes, in fact, many times, little children can be a bolder and greater witness to the things of the God of God than, than older people who may be feeling constrained or embarrassed or shy. Sometimes we should take our cue from little children. Out of the mouths of babes, God has perfected his worship. The boldness of a new believer comes from the Lord. So wherever you're at in your walk of faith, my point to you this morning is you're ready to go. And you're ready to grow. Because God is ready to grow you and ready to use you and desires to commission you. But don't look back. You've got to keep looking forward. Even as the Lord has already spoken to us this year out of Isaiah, behold, I do a new thing. Will you perceive it? We will, and we'll go forward. Now, after this, in Matthew, excuse me, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus once again moves on into the appointment, the commissioning, and the delegating, the distributing, the deploying of his disciples. He, in this instance, appoints the 70s, the 70 who also go out in pairs and who also minister a harvest. And it's in that context here in Luke that Jesus reiterates what we've already studied in Matthew. The harvest is plentiful, so pray for more laborers. This plentiful harvest and the distribution or deployment of empowered disciples go together. So if you and I want to see the things of the Lord activated in our world, if we want to see the kingdom come, we have to pray for it, and we have to go and be those agents of the kingdom in the world that God has called us to be. It doesn't mean we get out ahead of God. Nobody plows by getting in front of the plow, right? It doesn't mean that we get out of step with God, but it does mean that we are part of God's ordained process. The idea that, well, God can just do it all on his own is obviously true, there's nothing that's too difficult for God, but God has chosen you. In fact, in a couple of weeks, we're going to start a new series on the book of Ephesians, and we're going to go week by week through that extraordinary, incredible letter to the church. And one of the greatest messages that comes out of Ephesians is God has chosen you. God has chosen you and me to be his people, and he has decided in advance to equip us and perfect us to be his people. But you and I have a role of response. If we just sit and wait for God to do everything, we're not actively engaged in the harvest that he's called us to. But if we get out ahead of him, we're likely to get out of our lane. So what we need to do is look to the Lord and then act upon how he guides us. That's why we led ourselves in the study of prayer last week so that we could activate our response to the Lord. And it's why we're talking about growing and going this week. So I want to look at three sets of parables that Jesus teaches about harvest growth that help us understand what our participatory role is, how we respond to what God is asking us to do. One is the parable of the sower, which 
I did a series on a couple of years ago in our year of seed faith, and we're going to look at it again. There's numerous places that you find it, but we're going to look in Mark chapter 4. It's a story in which there's a number of uh, seed and weed lessons for us, but perhaps the greatest takeaway of it is this. Where the ground is fertile, even one seed will produce a multiplied harvest. And that multiplied harvest can be lesser or greater, but it will be multiplied wherever the, the ground is fertile. Then we're going to look at a couple of parables about seeds that Jesus teaches just a little bit later in that same sermon package of Mark chapter 4. And basically these revolve around how a small seed that's buried and hidden underground is doing its work all the time. The Lord is doing a work through a seed to produce multiplied manifest manifold harvest. And then we'll take a look at a parable about weeds, the wheat and tares, good growth and negative growth that come up together. If you've ever had a garden or if you've ever farmed, you know that that's true. Where one good crop is growing, bad weeds will also tend to grow. And of course, part of the response to that is to weed. But in this story, Jesus talks about how the manager of that crop allows both wheats Wheat and tares, tares are weeds in this wheat field, to grow side by side simultaneously. And it's only at the harvest that they're distinguished. So let's take a look at the parable of the sower, Mark chapter 4. Fertile ground produces a multiplied harvest, but there's many factors that can make soil unfruitful. This is a story in which Jesus is encouraging his followers to focus on how they can prepare their own hearts and lives for the abundant growth that God promises to the faithful. Jesus taught by parables, and that's one of the reasons why we're looking at these sets of parables today. So here is this parable of the sower, and he starts off by saying, listen, that's a good way to begin any sermon, isn't it? Listen. Are you listening? Okay. There's a farmer who went out to sow seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along a path, and birds came and ate it up. Some fell into rocky places. It didn't have much soil. It sprang up very quickly, but the soil was shallow. So the sprouts that sprung up withered and were scorched as soon as the sun shone down on them. Then there was seed that fell among thorns. That also grew up, but it grew up choked by the thorns around those plants. And so, though they grew, they didn't produce fruit. And then there were some that fell on good soil and grew and produced a crop. Some was a multiplied 30-fold, some was multiplied 60-fold, some was multiplied 100-fold. In other words, all the seed that fell into good ground, where the soil was rich and deep and unhindered by stones and weeds, and not vulnerable to the birds of the air, the seed that fell into that soil always produced much more. I mean, 30-fold is tremendous. Imagine if you could make an investment and get a guaranteed 30% return on it. That's an investment you would want to make. But how about if there was the possibility that that 30% uh, increase could be doubled to 60%, or you could even have a 100% increase? And it was all having to do with your dedication and your willingness, your openness to allow God to cleanse and clear and make ready the soil of your life. Well, that's what this investment precisely is. 
It's a guarantee from God that if your heart is open to him and you're willing to let him root out the weeds and the rocks and you're willing also to stand guard over your own soul and shoo away the birds, shoo away the foxes, resist the devil and draw near to God, he will add this to you as well, a multiplication of faith, of peace, of grace, of truth, of revelation, of understanding, of confidence, of courage, of strength, of wisdom, of friendship, of hope, of eternity. The reality is the multiplication we see in this life is only the first fruit beginning of an unbounded, never-ending, infinite multiplication. Do you realize that the kingdom that we are called into, the kingdom that the Lord is calling into the world through us is an eternal kingdom. That doesn't mean just that it lasts forever. It means that all time is encompassed within it. The kingdom is greater than time. It doesn't just mean that the kingdom spreads everywhere. It means that everywhere is already within the kingdom. The kingdom has no boundaries. The kingdom has no limit. The kingdom has no end because the kingdom is the king. That's the multiplication that you and I are promised. Infinite multiplication. So in this present age, we see just a little of that, like through a mirror, through a glass, darkly. But ultimately, we will see unbounded fruitfulness. So now, in this age, we can be excited both by the fruitfulness we see and the challenges we face because the Lord has set himself to give us the ability to overcome the challenges and the Lord has set himself to multiply blessings to us and through us. So Jesus said this story to his followers, but the disciples said, we don't get it. What does this mean? And so later in private, he explains it to them. And by the way, he explains it in a way that says, you don't get this? Jesus seems to think this should be pretty straightforward. The farmer is sowing seed that is the word of God, the message, okay? The farmer's on a mission, and the mission is his message. And what the farmer intends to do is multiply life. So that's the word of God. That's the 12 going out. That's the 70 going out. That's the healings and the deliverances and the witnessing and the sermons. As soon as this word is sown, it's going to grow. Did you notice that? It grows almost everywhere. The the reality is the seed is going to grow, but its fruitfulness will be determined by the circumstance that the seed finds itself in. So the seed that's sown along the path That's like people who hear the message, but as soon as they hear it, Satan, the enemy, comes and grabs it away from them. And because there's not depth in their soul, and their heart may be hard to the things of the Lord, even though the word of the Lord lands on them, the enemy takes it away very quickly. Then there are those whose hearts or souls are like the rocky places. They hear the word, and they receive it with joy. And the enemy doesn't get it away from them, but they're not very deep in the things of the Lord. And so they only last a little while. When trouble or persecution comes, they fall away very quickly. It's the kind of person who says, oh, I love this message of God, but the moment that their life gets rough, the way Jesus said, it will get rough. In this world, you will have troubles. They say, well, forget that. It doesn't work. And either God doesn't care or God's not there or anyway, I'm going to find a different path. 
So they had the opportunity to multiply, but they lost it because they lost faith in the face of obstacles and rocky opposition. Still others are those who receive the word of the seed, but they have worries, the worries and cares of this life the effort to provide for ourselves, the concerns about what other people think of us, the need to advance our own agenda, our own career, our own relationships. And all of those things are like thorns and weeds that choke out the thing of God, the word of God, the message of God. And because people are more concerned with that, they feed and channel their energy into those worries and concerns. And that's what grows and abounds in their life. You know somebody like this. Somebody who's always worrying. And it's just like they're watering the weeds. Turn to the person on the other side of you and say, don't water the weeds of worry. Every time you and I are worrying, something that Jesus says over and over again, don't worry. Don't worry. It doesn't add anything to you. It doesn't help you. You can't even add a hair to your head or a day to your life by worrying. But do you know how many people worry about those two very things? Yeah, my hair is going away and I'm worried about it. Well, worry won't help and it may hurt. My life is going away and I'm worried about it. That won't help and it may hurt. And there's many more serious things that we can worry about. But what Jesus says is don't worry. But when you and I do, what we are doing is we're watering that. We're nurturing that. We're nourishing that. We're flourishing that. And then we look and see all those weeds in our life and we say, why? But the Lord said, why not root those out? Uproot the worries and water the word and let the word water you. The washing of the water of the word that would cleanse and nourish you. Those things are deceitful. If you're focused on how you can get more money, more position, more privilege, more power, those are weeds. And they do produce worry. People who want more of that are worried about it. They may... They may articulated as ambition or drive, but it's really born out of fear and worry. And it's also born out of greed and lust for things that look good to us. You know, what's interesting is sometimes weeds can be the prettiest. In fact, there are certain things that in a different field wouldn't be a weed, they'd be the crop. But if it's not what the farmer planted, it's not what belongs in that soil. So something might look beautiful, and it might even look tasty, but watch out, there's thorns on that plant. And it would be a shame for you to bear those thorns, since the king of life already wore them like a crowd, so that you wouldn't have to, so that you could be fruitful in the things that he wants to plant in you and me. And that's exactly what happens when we have a heart of good soil, which is not some virtue of ours. It reflects what the farmer has done. It reflects how the Lord has cleared out a place in us. We can't even do it ourselves, but we can respond to what he's doing. We can open and yield to it. And when we do, there's going to be a multiplied crop, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100. Why not be ambitious for that? Why not desire the greatest multiplication of God in you? And you know what's amazing? In the parable of seeds that we're going to look at next, what you'll see is it's something that God does without any ability on your part to make it happen. Think about it. Can you make a seed grow? For that matter, can you even produce the seed that you want? It's not like you can go and make a recipe for a tomato seed, right? You've got to get one from a plant or an apple seed, or so forth. So you and I are dependent on the seed that God gives. And we can't make those seeds grow, but what we can do is we can sow them 
into situations of fertile soil that is cared for. That's our lives. We can't make the word of God up and we can't make it do what we want. But what we can do is receive the word for what it is, for who he is, and we can prepare our lives in such a way that who he is is honored and revered and received and it will be multiplied. Even just a small thing will grow very big. There's the parable of the growing seed. It's a story of a seed's mysterious growth underground. And then there's the parable of the mustard seed, how the tiniest of seeds becomes the largest of plants. And then there's a call to the other side that comes back to our message, not only of growth, but of mission. That God says, I will grow and I will make you go. So here's the story that Jesus teaches about the growing seed. He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And when he's saying that, he's not just saying the kingdom of God. He's saying, this is what God is like. Because remember, the kingdom is the king. A man scatters seed on the ground. And then, night and day, whether he gets up and cares for it or not, it's growing, even if you can't see it. He scattered it, and then he went away. Let's say he's a lazy farmer, which God is not. But this man, even if he's sleeping all day and all night, while he's doing so, the seed that he planted is already growing, right? All by itself, even though the man doesn't know how. He can't explain how that happens. Now, if you're a botanist, maybe you have very specific knowledge about how a seed germinates and comes to fruition. But I'll tell you what, you still can't generate it yourself. You can plant a seed and describe how it grows, but you and I are not able to turn it on and off. And even if we said, well, we can develop the kind of genetic mastery that does that, the reality is all we are ever talking about is dealing with a process that God already created. And it's a natural process that's locked into our world. Remember that the Lord himself said to Noah, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will continue. Now, it doesn't mean that it's easy, and it doesn't mean that the crop always produces what you want to the degree that you want. But there's a principle at work here, and the principle is this. The growth that God has designed and engineered will happen, whether you're participating in it or not. And it doesn't require your knowledge or understanding in order for that to happen. All by itself, the soil that received that seed will produce grain, the stalk, the head, the full kernel ripen. And as soon as the grain is ripe, then there comes a harvest. The farmer comes and cuts it down and brings it in. Likewise, he tells the, another story about what God is like. So God is like this. He grows and multiplies what you and I can't even see or understand. God is also like this. He starts with something small and hidden. Amen. Not only like a mustard seed in the ground, but like the seed of a person in the womb. And brings life out of it. The mustard seed is the smallest of the seeds on earth, says Jesus, but when it grows up, it becomes a huge garden plant, basically a tree so big that the birds of the air can come and nest in it. In other words, a growth that is so great that it provides for others. That's what God wants to do in you, to start with something that comes just out of your daily walk with him, your daily devotion with him, your regular making yourself ready and able to receive from him and little things that he's doing that you don't even see, that you don't even know about, that you don't even understand are working inside of you until one day you realize, look at all this growth, look at all this strength. And it's not just for me, it's so that others also 
can find a home in this hope in the Lord, can find a place in the kingdom of God that he has prepared for them. So the call comes following these stories. After these teachings, when the day was over, Jesus says to his disciples who have heard these teachings, let's go to the other side. Now, in this moment in his ministry, it's just yet another instance in which Jesus is saying, I came to spread this message. That's my mission. But it also shows how his message of growth is one that pushes people beyond their boundaries. In fact, this is going to be one of those crossings where they have difficulty on the waters. But how good it is that they followed the Lord because there's something greater on the other side. And PCF, I want to say to you today, and anyone joining with us, if this message is reaching you, I believe in my spirit that the Lord is saying to you, there's something on the other side of where you're at today that if you'll follow me faithfully, I will show you. There may be challenges on the way, but you're going to see a multiplied harvest if you will go with the call to grow that I have sent to you. There's big growth that comes from a small seed, but there's also weeds growing up right next to it. So Jesus is telling them another parable. And in this parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed seed, good seed in his field, but overnight while he's sleeping, which is a time when farmers should sleep, by the way, his enemy came and sowed weeds. So there was nothing wrong in what was sown initially. It's that there was an enemy at work in the dark. And that enemy came and sowed what wasn't intended to be planted in that field. And of course, the farmer didn't know, because in this story, how would he know? He was asleep. And so he just sees the ground as it is. It's only when it starts to grow up that the servants come and say, hey, the seed that you planted is growing but there's all these weeds growing up with it. And they're right intermixed with each other. And of course, the weeds are vying for the nutrients, for the light. They're trying to crowd out the root space and the sky space that is available to the good seed. And so there's this battle, this tug of war, if you will, between these crops. What should we do about it? And the farmer was aware this was an enemy. This didn't just happen by accident or coincidence. This was a strategic ploy to try and ruin my crop. So the worker said, well, shall we go out and just, we'll just pull up all those weeds then. But here's what the farmer knew. The seed that he had planted, which would grow up to be robust, at this stage would be so vulnerable that if you pulled up the weeds, you'd pull up the good plants too. So he said, no, don't do that. Because it's more important, the implication is, to the farmer that the good wheat grows up to produce its fruit than it is to get rid of the weeds. What the farmer knows is he knows how to flourish that crop. He knows how to feed and nurture it. But he also knows this. When the harvest comes, it will then be very easy to separate the wheat from the tares, the wheat from the weeds. And that's when he says, you will then gather it and separate it. Once again, the disciples said, well, we don't understand this. Story And Jesus said, let me explain. But you already know, the one who sowed the good seed is Christ Jesus himself. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of God, the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. This is a hard kind of message to hear. But what Jesus is basically saying is, as you grow in this world, you are either growing up as a person of God, 
or a person of the enemy. That's the point that Jesus is making. The enemy who sows is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the age. The harvesters who are working for that farmer are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up, that is the harvest angels carrying out the end of the age harvest. The Son of Man will send out his angels. They will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This isn't something that Jesus relishes. It's not something that he's cavalier about. But he's not going to deny this reality because he wants people to know you're either growing into the harvest of God or you're going into the fire. The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. That's a message that is so important that it should dominate our heart. It should activate our mission. How can you and I hear that and not feel compelled to share it? To go out and tell people the choices you're making and the life that you're living matter. And it is not neutral territory. You're in a field that either you belong to God or you don't. But the field always does. So it's not a question of whether the Lord rules and reigns. The question is, does he rule and reign over you? Is he the Lord of your life? If you are living according to the seed of his word, you're going to have multiplied, abundant life. It doesn't mean you're going to have everything you want. It doesn't mean you're never going to have any lack of anything. Although anything you would lack is something that God can provide. What it means is that his life is multiplying in you, no matter what your outward circumstances are. And no matter what your outward circumstances look like, if that's not the reality of your life, the truth is you may look like you're growing. You may look strong. You may even look fruitful. But if the Lord looks at you and says, that's not what I planted, you're not being who I intended you to be. You're not living the way I intended you to live. That means you're a weed. And yet, my conviction is this. That's not God's desire for you. And it's not just my persuasion. It's what the word says. God does not desire that any should perish, but that all should come to life. The good news is, even if you've been a weed, and we've all been weeds, the seed of the Lord comes to you. The Son of God comes to you. The Word of God comes to you. And in Him is life and light, health and multiplication. So out of that, you and I have a great commission. And you know it from Matthew 28. Jesus, who Himself was planted into the ground, a dead body like a seed that died and was buried in the ground, rose up like a plant, a first fruit, multiplying the life of the kingdom to all. And the resurrected Christ once again came to his disciples and said to them, go, go and make other disciples in every nation, in every city, in every region, among every tribe and tongue. All people are available for this. All people need this message and any person can receive it. That doesn't mean everyone will, but anyone can. And you and I are to go to everyone with this message. And not just to share the message with them in a trivial way, but to live it out in a multiplying way. 
baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching people how the word of the Lord is life and there is life in the word. And we don't do it alone. Jesus said, I am with you in this. I am with you. I will grow you. And so go, go in me and I go with you. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Lord. We we believe you and we receive your empowerment once again today. Even as we prayed at the uh, uh, earlier part of the service, so we say again, will you repeat this with me, friends? Lord Jesus Christ, fill me today with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your multiplying power. Uproot and weed out evil from me. Cleanse me of all sin. Forgive me of my unrighteousness. Secure me in your righteousness and multiply your kingdom through me. Friend, if that is your genuine, sincere, heartfelt prayer, I am here to tell you right now, your prayer is answered. Those things are done and they go on. They continue and multiply. In you is faith. Receive it. Receive it. Believe it. Let it take deep root in you. If there are weeds of worry, let the Lord's hand come right now and uproot them out of you. Let your request be made known to him. Do you have an illness? Do you have a burden, a financial debt? Do you have a broken relationship? Do you struggle with depression or addiction or deception or confusion? Are you constantly under the sway of the enemy? Do you feel yourself always under attack? Do you see yourself as constantly being a victim? Are you always chasing after just enough and never quite finding it? Let the Lord uproot that out of you. That is not the reality of who God has called you to be or made you to be. Do you lack peace? Let him sow it into you. Do you lack wisdom? Ask, and he who gives generously will give you wisdom. Do you lack a a burning desire for God's word, ask for it. He'll give it to you. He'll ignite within you a passion for him. But remember, more important than all these things is God himself. Seek him while he may be found. Call upon his name. Call out to Jesus. God is not an impersonal hidden God. He is mysterious and mighty. None of us could ever even imagine who he is if it weren't for the fact that he has made himself known to us in a person just like you and I, and yet a person who is also God, Jesus Christ, who is God. Call on him again. Reach out for him every day. Let him abide in you and multiply himself in you. He will do it. Lord, we thank you that you've heard these prayers. Even as I've been speaking, your spirit has been moving. The spirit who hovered over the waters of chaos at the dawn of creation is the very self-same spirit who hovers like a mother bird over her chicks right now to feed out of your very own mouth, Lord, your very own life to us. Lord, if there are any here in the room or within the sound of my voice or the reach of these words today or at any time who have never given their heart to you, I pray that right now you'd knock on the door of that heart one more time. You would touch that heart with your hand yet again. You would speak 
and say, child, my beloved, I made you for life, my life. Receive it, believe it, and grow in me. And if that's you, if that's the first time you're making that commitment or it's just a renewal of a commitment, then you affirm that with him right now. You say, yes, Lord, yes, I give myself to you. And even as you do that, I stand in agreement with you by my spirit and in the spirit of the Lord. God will multiply, harvest. You just believe it and see it. It will happen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, we're coming to the conclusion of our service. I'm going to ask Pastor Benita to join me on the platform and make an invitation. If you're celebrating this week an anniversary or birthday or you're going to be traveling, we want to pray for you. Let's go. Birthday celebrants. Oh, Peter. <laughs> Message. Mission. Multiplication. Three M's. Amen. Let's extend our hands. Hallelujah. More? More? Oh, more. Okay. Birthday, anniversary. Birthday. Happy birthday. Travel. Okay. And travel. Wow. More? More? Let's join. Okay. Let's extend our hands to them. Panginoon, salamat po sa buhay na manakatayo sa harapan sa ubang.